When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Jones. Bowden. He's got it. England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins. Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four. And England have won the match. Welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket, our look back at this amazing test match uh, laws, this podcast in association with IG Trading and Investments. A sponsor would have been delighted by this amazing match, which kept us all guessing until, well, mid-afternoon on the final day, and we witnessed one of the great test innings, Simon, didn't we? Sensational from Ben Stokes. I think it's slightly ridiculous, actually, in a way that Steve Smith was given player of the match for a sort of... Okay, he played really well, routine hundred. But the the innings today from Ben Stokes uh, against the odds, yeah, England were fighting hard. He revived their fortunes. He played some scintillating strokes and incredible shots under pressure. Fielders back on the boundary, whacking the ball over the over their head. You know, he made 155. It was one of the great Test match innings, but in defeat. And once he went, that was it, really, wasn't it? He was the seventh man out. He just felt the whole. So atmosphere at Lords totally deflate. And uh, th- 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 there was a chance, wasn't there, when I think you, you, know, you were looking at the potential you know, win-vis and all that, which at, at, what, 70 to win, with Stokes still in, the win-vis would have just been tilting England's way. Yeah, England were favourites at one stage. Yeah, they were favourites, just favourites. But I mean, it was such a nip-and-tuck situation. I mean, they'd, they'd gone from you know, huge outsiders really at the start of the day and they just gradually, 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 bit by bit, caught up to, to the point where they were just marginal favourites. But it was always going to be difficult. 3-7-1, it's never been done on this ground before. Pitch was a little bit up and down. England lost wickets at as you often do at, at crucial times and we'll, of course we'll talk about the Johnny Bairstow uh, dismissal in just a moment I'm sure people have got very strong uh, views on it and we'll uh, dissect that and give our own views on it but I think we should we should admire something absolutely special that we, we, we've seen at, at Laws today I suppose it just it just lacks the final bit of the miracle didn't it really I mean he did, he's done it before in the World Cup final he did it at, at Headingley and I mean in a way today was I mean it was an innings of 
equal quality with those two, definitely, yeah. wasn't it? If not, yeah. if not a bit better. Well, I, I think I suppose because of the the fact that he got England over the line at Headingley with the last man, Jack Leach putting on seventy five for the last wicket. I suppose that innings just shades it because also it had various phases and it was a long innings yeah. that lasted yeah. virtually a day. But this innings was so destructive that they didn't know where to bowl. The Australians, you're talking about one of the best Australian attacks, certainly pace attacks, they've ever had. And they didn't know where to bowl to him. And he was smiting them over the square leg boundary, over the mid-wicket boundary, over the, over the long on boundary. Over, over the, the fine leg, leg boundary. boundary. He didn't hit too many on the offside, but in a way, why did he need to? He was hitting it down the hill into the mound stand. And it's astonishing how often he connected cleanly with the ball uh, and, and hit them over. I mean, it reminded me, actually, of that innings in Cape Town when he got 258 yeah. and he just kept hitting the ball for six. Mm. And this was the same. You know, I, I always felt it was going to come to an end at some point. He would have to hit one up in the air. And actually, the Australians, having been slightly mesmerised by his power and consistency... And I suppose being spooked also by him because of the memory of Headingley four years ago, they actually fed him a bit. But gradually they realised, they sort of got their composure together and they realised if they bowled more outside off stump, it would be harder for him to hit over the leg side. And, you know, eventually they, they got their reward. But the way that he manipulated the strike with Stoke, with, with uh, Stuart Broad, and, and then eventually sort of started trusting him. And actually the way that he, having destroyed their bowlers, he then started to almost play with them and milk them for a bit. It was, it was just a, an innings of, of genius. I mean, I don't think it was quite in the best of, ever, best of all time because of the fact that England didn't win. But it's up there in the top five, yeah. undoubtedly, one of the greatest testings of all time. Yeah, I mean, I have to say, as I was watching it, you, you were thinking, he's got, to, to win the game, he's going to have to score a double hundred. I mean, yeah. to, to a double hundred in the yeah. fourth innings. Like Gordon Greenwich did it here in 1984. Not a very different situation, of course, because they hadn't lost that, that many wickets and they, it felt like inevitable, didn't it, after a, after a certain time. Uh, West Indies uh, back then. But Stokes was always up against because you knew that one mistake and that was it, basically. And he did, he did make a couple of mistakes. There was the, um, no to be the Steve Smith drop, drop. catch. Yeah. I mean, uh, that, that was incredible as well because Steve Smith has got such good hands. You wouldn't have you thought, yeah, that's going to be out. Definitely going to take that. When he was on 114, and that would have snuffed out. Even then, it would have been in fact fabulous innings yeah. to, to keep England alive. Uh, I, I suppose Australia, what they did was they they just made, had 11 fielders, uh, 10 fielders on the boundary. I mean, that, that was shades of one day cricket wasn't it before they had the inner circle that's what used to happen when it was impossible and you know one day finals you, you know you, you needed I don't know, 10 and over or something like that. all the field would go back on the boundary it was impossible and they changed the regulations for that reason that's what it made made it so difficult I thought there was that phase from about 90 to win to about 70 to win when he got out when the scoring rate slowed down and you thought this is going to be a really long drawn out process and in a way you could argue Australia did that quite well because it, you just thought you'd have to have infinite patience to, yeah. to win the game and it, you know it's going to take a long time to do this it, it wasn't going to come quickly whereas that spell before lunch it was coming quickly yes and I think that they needed that break do you remember actually uh, Cummins just before lunch there was the chance of another over yeah, before right, lunch yeah. and Cummins took a long time to change 
his boot or get something out of his boot. And I don't know if it was a genuine. No, I, I, he just looks like he's pulling his sock up, didn't he? But I think it was clever because it just at times you just need to have a break, yeah. get together, have a little consensus chat about it, sit down and, and sort of just consider everything. And so they did came, come back with a, a different approach afterwards. I mean, I don't think they managed it that well in the morning. I think they should have had still had men in because there were there were miscues that plopped into spaces where there might have been a mid-wicket. But because everybody was on the boundary, a mishit just fell, fell safe. So actually there was no pressure on Stokes. And I think you still need a couple of catchers or a mid-wicket or a, an extra cover just to keep him... You know, thinking, well, if that's the place you should try and hit it, make him hit it somewhere where he doesn't necessarily want to hit it, rather than just patrolling the boundary and he can just knock ones and twos kind of thing. So I think that they sort of took the pressure off a little bit with all those boundary fielders. But, well, I, you know, I was actually in the MCC president's box with Stephen Fry today. And Stephen Fry, it's, it's interesting being with him because he's getting nervous every ball. <laughs> and then going, oh, my God, that's absolutely incredible. I mean, he just thought that was an innings of genius. And... It kept everybody absolutely on the edge of their seats for four hours. Yeah. Well, it was an innings of, of genius. I thought Ben Duckett played really well as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's had a very good Test match. Okay, didn't quite get you know, get the hundred, get himself on the honours board in an Ashes Test match. But you know, 98 and 83, thought he played skillfully. Okay, out to another short ball, and that's the problem on this surface, isn't it? You can you can guide away or paddle away a certain number of short balls, but. You feel there might be one with your name on it. I mean, you know, even Stokes hit one up in the air, didn't he? So I thought he played excellently. And when, when they were putting that partnership together in that first hour, I thought I'd start roared in, bold, you know, really good opening spell. You thought, hold on a second, you know, what, what's going on here? I, I, you know, I said I thought the game might be over before lunch or by lunch, you know, with an Australian win by about 120, 130 runs. But I mean, Ducky and Stokes, the two Bens, they came out and just gave everyone, a, all the spectators who turned up, today a huge amount of belief it's that feeling I think it's happened a few times in this series you, you're just nudging ahead and then a wicket falls isn't it it's that it's that feeling and you never quite well, that's get ahead because Apart of the quality from, of the bowling yeah attacks, it is yeah it? you well, know the, the, especially the Australian bowlers are that good mm. that they are going to generate opportunities and in the end Duckett went for one hook too many the ball was too high he'd been paddling hook, paddle hooking the ball well yeah. from sort of waist high chest high and controlling the shot mm. but the trouble is when it's head high you just can't yeah Good catch by Carey. Very good. Should yeah. we talk about Alex Carey now? Yes, we should talk about <laughs> Alex Carey. <laughs> because it was all going swimmingly for England and the game generally, uh, without any controversy. I mean, there was a few cat calls to, to Steve Smith on the boundary saying we, we saw you crying on the telly and things like that in the past. But it, it generally, the, the spirit was there between the two sides, but it all turned a bit sour after that run out of Johnny Bairstow. Okay, well, let's let's deconstruct that. Now, I know everyone will have their own opinion on this. Uh, well, what, what did you think about it? What, were your, what was your take on it? I was side on to it, and I thought as soon as he did it, Carey, I said, that's out, hmm. to the people I was sitting with. And I had a really good view of it, because I, I watched it carefully. I saw Bairstow wander out of his crease. I don't think he checked his guard. He, you know, he checked his bat in or anything. He just wandered out, thinking it was the end of the over, which it, which it was. I thought it was lazy cricket by him. I didn't blame Carey for underarming at the stumps. In fact, I saw Bairstow doing it to the Australians 
in their innings, particularly noticeably a couple of times when Labashain was batting and he batting out of his crease. Is, isn't that a bit different though, the fact that he's batting the outside his well, crease? Well, not really. I mean, you know, just keeping the batsman honest is what a wicketkeeper would say. Mm. Uh, whether it's batting out of his crease or wandering out of his crease at the end of an over. And I thought what Carey did was totally legitimate. What I thought may could have could have happened is Cummins, after the decision had been given, I think Cummins could have thought about it and said, actually, look, you know, it's not a very satisfying way of taking a wicket. Um, I'll, I'll withdraw our appeal. Mm. And it's not quite the same, but... We, you and I both remember the incident in uh, at the Oval in a one-day international between New Zealand and, and England when Ryan Sidebottom collided with the batter. The batter fell over. He was run out. He was given out correctly. And then Collingwood, the captain at the time, was, was invited to withdraw his appeal. He didn't withdraw it, so the, the, the decision stood. But years later, Collingwood reflects on that. Paul Collingwood reflects on it saying, I wish I had withdrawn the appeal because yeah. it was just unnecessary. You know, it was unfair, really. Mm. Uh, you know, everyone will say, of course, I was in the MCC box and, you know, the, the uh, curators of the spirit of cricket in the laws. Of course, everyone's saying it's against the spirit of cricket. <laughs> I thought it was a legitimate run out. Mm. Well, in fact, it's down. It goes down as stumped mm. in the uh, in the book. But Bearstow wasn't seeking a run, mm. so it, it is a bit. It was a bit harsh. Yeah. Well, it, it felt like a nothing wicket, really, doesn't it? it, it you haven't really. There's not a huge amount of skill in, in getting that wicket. Oh, that carry. You know, you, you've often seen keepers roll the ball at the stumps and then uh, miss the stumps, uh, which often happens. But this time he hit the stumps. I, I, again, like you, I, Kerry's perfectly entitled to do what he did. And then it came down to that, well, what was Cummings going to do? Well, he just said, um, on, on we go. Let's, let's take, send it up to the third umpire to see if Bairstow was out of his ground. He was, so he was out. And, and that's what he said afterwards as well. He, he, you know, it was almost like, a, it's all like a non-question to him. You know, we, we threw the ball at the stumps. We hit the stumps. We appealed. Bairstow was out of his ground. DRS showed that he was out. We, you know, we left it to the umpire, like we left the Stark incident uh, the, last night uh, to the third umpire. I, I don't really know why the umpire had to even refer it, right. actually, because it was clear he was well out of his ground. The ball hit the stumps. I mean, he should have well, just given it out straight away. Unless they weren't concentrating, because it was the end of the over. Well, no, he was. Swi- the switching umpire, off. The umpire was at the uh, was at point yeah. actually, so he was facing my where I was, and I saw him see it and immediately signal for the for the to, to, to look at look at it through the third umpire now uh, one little bit of context for australia they were still aggrieved by the stark decision yeah. the night before that catch and that, that was still simmering in them mm. and so i think they felt a bit more justified with upholding this appeal it's sort of almost like um tit for tat sort of thing but I think in time, Cummins will regret it. Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting. He, he didn't regret it in his post-match interview with me. I think in, in, in future he will. Yeah. Well, I, they, they basically said, it's the same as the Stark thing, we left it to the third umpire to make up the, you know, his mind. And the third umpire last night said Stark, one was not out, and they said this one was out, so, so on we go. The reaction from the crowd, I mean, was, was interesting, wasn't it? I mean, there was a, a booing throughout the day. I mean, I, when Pat Cummins came over to do the interview with me, you know, lots of people still booing. Every time he touched the ball, he was booed. And they're shouting, 
you always Aussies always yeah, same cheating, old Aussies, same old Aussies always, always cheating, cheating. Go, which goes back to Sandpaper Gate and all that sort of stuff. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, it's there is that element of trying to put pressure on the opposition as well. But it actually, strangely, it seemed to galvanise Ben Stokes. That was the moment he, he, he right, I've got to go. I know you, he probably thought, right, I'm going to have to make a move here because I've got Stuart Broad at the other end. So it may just been coincidental. Uh, but it did seem to get Stokes going, and that was when he started pumping it into the stand. And I said to Pat Cummings, you know, "Did he sort of regret it for that? Really, you know, that in a way you've got Ben Stokes going." He said, "No, no, we just, you know, just one of those, one of those things, really." So it was, it was very much sort of, you know, dead back to those sort of questions. But you know, he, he may well reflect. And I mean, I don't know what I think about. I mean, I, I've, I'm well, sure that just illustrates how difficult it yeah, is, it is to, to know. Yeah, it? I, well, I mean, I'm sure I played in club matches where that sort of incident has happened. And if someone's dozy enough to walk out their ground, you think, well, you know, often it's in the middle of the over or something, you know, or someone someone just doesn't doesn't realise they're out of their ground. So you, you know, it is it does feel legitimate. What what Besto was thinking, I think, is this is that he sort of, he, you say he didn't tap down, he didn't tap down, you're right. What he did, he sort of scratched with his back foot as if to say, right, that's the last ball, the over. I'm just sort of making my mark behind the line. You know, I'm, I'm now going to wander up the pitch, I presume, to have a chat or, or do some gardening. I mean, my, my feeling with all this, and it's, it's similar to the, the run out backing up, um, and I, which I think is a bit different from that, mind you, but it's similar to that is you don't give, a, you don't give anyone anything. You, 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 that that you stay in your in behind your line because that because the, otherwise there's danger, so you've always got to be aware of that and and that and that's sort of the bottom line. You can't blame any you can't blame anyone else for for the situation if you don't actually defend yeah. your own wicket. No, sure, and and I, I mean the convention is in these situations to if you want to go out of your ground is to just indicate to the wicketkeeper yeah. or the slip or whatever just say, all right. All right, am I all right to yeah, go out of my grounds? Yeah, Just right. a little hand wave. Yeah, you're all right, right. And then you can do it. Yeah. And then clearly any kind of attempt to run you out is, is illegitimate. Yeah. But he didn't do that. He just wandered out without the acknowledgement of the, of the wicketkeeper first. Yeah. And so that's where he was silly. I mean, it's a shame, isn't it? Because it does create a bad atmosphere. And actually, there is a report that in the members' pavilion, the long room, yeah. uh, when the Aussies came off at lunch... There was some jostling and some abuse, and there are going to be some members who get suspended, MCT mm. members in the long room. I mean, mm. that's terrible. If there, there was actually some physical uh, contact with, I think, Usman Khawaja and maybe a couple of others. Well, Usman Khawaja stopped. I've seen it on the tape. He, he stopped and spoke to someone. So obviously someone said something. Whether there was any contact between the two, I don't, I don't think. I didn't see that. What I did see was Khawaja just, you know, he was walking up towards the dressing room, yeah. and he stopped and said something to the member who must have but, I mean, said I'm sorry, that's pathetic. You know, and th- and that member should be banned. Yeah. Anybody who does that to players, yeah. it's a privilege to be in the long room and watch the players walk off, and that's just completely out. Because you're so close to them, aren't yeah. you? They, I mean, they almost like walk through you, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah it, it, it's not not good behaviour. It, it showed sort of what a febrile atmosphere mm. uh, that there was at Lords today. I, I I said I don't think it's quite the same as run out backing up because I think when you're run out backing up often you are trying to get some sort of advantage aren't you in a way you're backing up you're moving down the pitch we saw it in the IPL that was an incredible moment uh, when when Bishnoi was well out of his ground uh, you know he, he was trying to get to the other end that was an extreme example of it but you know but you are backing up to, to sort of gain advantage best it was not trying to run at all he was you know there was, he was there was no advantage whatsoever it was just one of those moments and he thought 
what are you doing? You know, what are you doing? You just sort of almost, I don't know, switched off. Mm. And I, I said to Brendan McCullum afterwards, I said, you know, what was Johnny Bairstow's reaction when he went back into the dressing room? He said he was sort of, you know, he was a bit sort of nonplussed, really, a bit bemused by the whole thing. But you know, when he reflects on it, you think, I, I, if that would be me, I would have gone, why on earth did I give them the opportunity uh, to do that? Especially an Australian wicketkeeper. I mean, they're not going to turn that opportunity down. I reckon it happens all the time in in grade cricket if you're at your ground someone's going to do that to you and no one's going to okay they might there might be a ruck but in the end the umpire just off you go out you're out you're out your ground now we'll just pause uh, in our review of this fantastic test match just to reflect on some great ashes moments and some great ashes heroes as well ig our sponsors have created this installation behind us here on the nursery ground where you can face great ashes deliveries of the past it's called the ig net gains arena and the runs that you score against these great ashes deliveries will be put towards the ig net gains fund which is building net facilities around the country for everybody's use at the next test at Headingley, where there will also be the ig net gains arena to have a go if you happen to be at the match to have a go at facing these great ashes deliveries and talking of ashes heroes and ashes legends we are sitting at the very spot on the nursery ground just at the edge of the uh, of the outfield where Ian Botham who at the time was on the Lord's ground staff in 1972 witnessed his first Ashes experience he was sat on the grass here because they were allowed to when they were working on the ground staff they were allowed to watch a bit of play and sit on the grass and experience a, a real test match and this test match was 1972 it was England Australia of course and it was the famous Bob Massey match in which he took 16 wickets in the game and obviously Australia won the match continuing their amazing record at Lords he swung it round corners it was an amazingly sort of devilish performance by, by Bob Massey and, and a one-off for him he sort of disappeared with that trace after that but it was a fantastic moment and Botham remembers sitting on the grass and the impact that that had on him that day watching Bob Massey take 16 wickets at Lords um, I always remember that. So I sat on the outfield because in those days, but you got the oval and you used to have it roped and you, spectators were allowed to sit on the grass. Yeah, nowadays, of course, that's gone because of health and safety. But probably the most distinctive memory, yeah, where I can actually sit back and think, yeah, I can remember almost every delivery virtually. DK Lilly was charging in at the other end. Uh, Tangles was playing, etc. But Massey was remarkable and he went from over the wicket, around the wicket, in swing, out swing. And I don't think anyone expected it first and foremost to swing that much. Those were the old cricket balls before they started tampering with the uh, central uh, part of the ball, the, the core, uh, going from round to square or the other way around. I forget which way it was, but I can remember it really well. And the atmosphere and the buzz, good catching as well, sit fielding. It was a great display. Amazingly, he didn't really repeat it after that. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So we were hearing there from Ian Botham how he got the, the flavour of being uh, playing in the Ashes and probably inspiring him and becoming an Ashes hero himself in the end, which of course Ben Stokes now is as well. And in a way, Botham spooked the Aussies uh, in the 80s in the same way it seems like Stokes is, is spooking them now. Uh, there was a bit of a kind of comeback on that uh, test match actually in 1972. Afterwards, uh, Massey was alleged to have used something on the ball, substance on the ball, to make the ball swing both ways. Certainly Tony Gregg accused him of that. Uh, the accusations have never been proven, but the odd thing is Matt Massey really disappeared without trace and did nothing else in the game again. And he's now a, a commentator. I'm sure he'd been commentating actually on this match uh, back, in, back in Australia on radio at some point. But to go back to the match itself, today's game, um, I thought Stuart Broad did incredibly well. He took a lot of blows on the body, as did Jimmy Anderson. And you know, uh, the stats have shown that over the whole match, there were 54 blows on batsmen's bodies, either head, you know, any sort of fleshy part, wrist, hands, etc., which is the most in any Test match in history, apparently, well, since records began, anyway. Quite alarming, isn't it? Yeah, fifty-four. Yeah, fifty-four blows to the body, showing that an Ashes Test match is not just one of skill; it's one of courage as yeah, well. Yeah, a br- brutal game, really. I mean, so many players hit on the head. And, yes, and you know we had the concussion review, and that I mean, talk about. T- you need to be fit to be an England physio <laughs> now. Right. You need to run out, yeah. run out at the speed of light to get out and you know treat the, the person who's been hit. Yeah, uh, it's it been a real feature of the game. And you talk about over eights. You know, that's one thing that, that slows yeah. the game down. But you've got to check the players. Too much short pitch bowling in this game. I, I saw your piece in the Sunday Times today. You know, we, we talked about it last night. You know, will that require a law change? Of course, lo and behold, the next day we didn't just have you know three or four men on the boundary. We had five men on the leg side boundary at one point on, on the on site, and four on the off. You know, we had you know everyone back nine nine fielders on the boundary. I think I said ten fielders earlier, didn't I? Yeah. The wicketkeeper wasn't back, but you know nine fielders on the boundary. Must needs, and that's that was those were Australia's tactics at the time. Probably the pitch played into that a bit, the match circumstance. Yes, well, I mean, Steve Smith certainly said after the game that it was a two paced pitch, mm. and that's what made the short ball difficult to play, and that's why lots of people are out to it, that's why lots of people were hit by it because it was a bit two paced. And what mm. we mean by two paced is the ball comes off, sometimes it really zips off, mm. and sometimes it sort of comes off a bit more sluggishly and a bit lower. And that might be actually due to the ball, by the way. It's not only the pitch, sometimes you, you hit the ball on a softer bit and it doesn't really bounce as much. And sometimes it might hit the seam or a harder bit of the ball after 50 or 60 overs over, old with it. And, and it doesn't, and then that makes the ball zip up and, and bounce a bit higher. So it, it's a combination of the ball and the pitch together made made the short ball a difficult one to deal with but Stokes didn't have much trouble did he no not much no a lot of people sitting in the tavern stand and the the grandstand they had to pay attention nine sixes yeah, nine sixes it was, it, it was stunning hitting but Yoz the, the bottom line is we've had two matches in this series they've both been tight games Australia winning by two wickets and, and 43 runs those are quite tight test matches but they, they are two nil up with three to play they hold the ashes I mean for England to 
you know, get back in this series now. In fact, England to win the series now would be a bigger miracle than Ben Stokes winning the game today. You know, they have to win three in a row to do that. How can they do it? Is it possible? They're not that far apart in English conditions, either these two teams, as the two matches have shown. You know, Australia you know, got enough to strike blows on England, but England got enough to strike back against Australia but they, they just feel as they've just got them a bit covered off just a bit better well it's going to be partly survival of the fittest in the end isn't it with both teams already nursing various injured players uh, I, I mean I just feel the Australian attack as I again wrote in the Sunday Times are just a bit more potent they've got a bit more pace they've got a bit more height as well uh, Hazelwood and uh, Cummings and Stark and obviously green between them you know get the ball up into the ribs from less short than than the, the likes of broad anderson etc so i mean josh tongue is the one guy that england can take some real credit from and optimism from the way he bowled and he'll clearly be an important feature going forwards but i just feeling them don't quite have the firepower i think batting wise both teams pretty much cancel each other out but bowling-wise, Australia just got the edge. And so this uh, run chase today will have given England some hope. Mm. But it, it shows that everything's got to go right for England to beat Australia. And that now you're talking about three in a row that have got to go right, plus obviously weather as well. Yeah. They've got to trust the weather. And it could easily be they get into a, a good position to win. And then the weather ruins it because we've got another three test matches, two of them up north. So... You know, it's all going to be very, very difficult for England, I would think. Yeah, and a, and a very quick turnaround. They've been in two in, intense games. OK, there was a week between the first Test match and the second Test match, but only three days before Headingley gets underway. I mean, there must be some, A, tired bodies, also sort of mentally drained players as well. Well, we're bad enough, and we're not even <laughs> on the field, are we? I mean, yeah. it's, it's tiring covering a five-day game, isn't it? And imagine playing it and yeah. bowling all those overs and fielding and... Having to make all those decisions, yeah. the build-up in the morning, and all the expectation. I mean, it's just now they, you know, they'll be. Obviously, the Australians will now be celebrating tonight briefly. Mm. England will be looking back at the game and, and, and considering what what went wrong, what went right. Tomorrow they'll be heading up to to Leeds. Mm couple of days training back in again yeah I spoke to Ben Duckett this morning I said to him you know overnight what was it like you know can you just can you sleep well can you just switch off and then switch back on again and he, he pretty much said no no you know you're, you're ticking it over in your mind all night really I must have you must have been thinking about the the catch as well but also you know what was ahead of him today you know you would never been in a situation like this really before and he, you know, he, he's a reasonably experienced international cricketer now but you know Lord's final day full house England 1-0 down in the ashes you know that, that, is, that is demanding isn't it and that you, you talk to a lot of the former players and say you know an ashes series it's just so intense you talk to Alistair Cook you know it, it dominates your life for six seven weeks and it's, it's not just the physical it is the mental and you think about it not just while you're playing but in between the test matches as well it never, it never goes away and so I think you know, people need to appreciate that so you, you do sort of feel in a way anything could happen at, at Headingley so it is survival of the fittest not just physically but mentally as well I mean if England got to change their bowling attack do you think they just have to freshen things up just you, know, you, you might you might not put their what you might call their best attack out at Headingley but they might have to put their freshest attack out at Headingley well undoubtedly they found a potential flaw in Steve Smith's makeup because he is a bit of a compulsive hooker now the, the we'll have to see what the boundaries are like at Headingley but 
the view is that uh, the, the, the boundaries here at Lords are more difficult to take on, especially into the corners. The top edges don't carry for six, although obviously Ben Stokes proved otherwise, but he was an exceptional, uh, sort of almost a, an, an exception that proves the rule. Mm. And by the way, I, one other thing about Stokes, I, I was just talking to a couple of ex-players uh, watching him, and they, the follow-through of those big shots is reminiscent to me of Garfield Sobers. Mm. I know it was a long time ago, but if you ever watch the 6-6's Garfield Sobers hit against Malcolm Nash in 1968, off one over, his bat ends up basically on his backside mm. when he's flung, flung his bat through the ball. And Stokes is the same. It's this gargantuan follow-through. Yeah. Well, I've not seen too many other players like that. Well, one, one time today when he was trying about a big huge heave, he actually lost dropped lost his bat. It was like the shot put, wasn't it? It went out towards fine legs. So Definition it, of throwing the bat, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> well, he, yeah. Well, yeah, he did. I mean, you're right. He, he had a huge follow-through. It's what gives it the, the oomph, I suppose, and the, the ability to, to clear the fielders. Uh, it's, it's funny watching it from, from, from upstairs because you see him take it on and you can, it's easy to lose the flight of the ball and then you just watch the fielders and you know then they you know they think are oh, they getting under the oh no no it's just sailing over their head so undoubtedly Mark Wood has to play yeah. at Headingley and I don't care whether he's not able to get through a five day game for God's sake he must be able to get through one game and it's this is like make or break isn't it yeah. I mean if England don't win as you pointed out they don't win this test then the whole ashes have gone anyway the mm. next test so Mark Wood has to play. They have to use him in short bursts, bowling short, and Smith be, would be number one target because he got out hooking in the second innings. It stymies his progress if you bowl short a lot of short balls at him. Wood is able to do that, so he's got to be one addition to the squad. What do they? What else do they do? Well, I mean, someone like Liam Dawson or, or Chris Wokes to me because they need a number eight. They need Johnny Bairstow batting at seven unless they're going to change things and move one of the openers out, move uh, Crawley out, have Stokes to open and Bear Stokes goes up. Stokes to the, open? Well, Mike Brearley said that. Mike no. Brearley suggested that. I don't, I'm no, I, I don't buy that, by the way. I, I would keep the, the batting order the same, but I would put Bear Stowe at five and I'd put Harry Brook at six or, or seven and Stokes at six or seven because I feel Bairstow is wasted at number seven. Especially what, keep, wick, keep wicket and bat at number well, five? you hope that by the time the uh, number five comes in, you'd hope that mm. you know, there's, there's been a bit of time uh, in the game. Uh, yeah, it's tricky, it's tricky, but I feel Bairstow is wasted at number seven. Well, the only problem with that is if you look at his record, when, it, when he's kept wicket, he, he barely scores a run in the second yeah, innings. Yeah. So, you know, he first, when, he keep, when he bats in the first innings of a match, when he's keeping wicket, he does really well. That's, he's got a very good record, but... Second, third, fourth innings, it, it, it really off. goes dip, dips off. So even when he's kept in the first innings of the match, well, the just, solution you know, to he that struggles, is he struggles in the second innings of the match. England have got to be in the field less mm. and bat longer yeah. to give the bowlers more time to recover yeah. and the wicketkeeper, obviously. And uh, they've got to bat longer because they're, they're still their innings are only lasting 75, 80 well, overs. Well, this is the first one that went past 80 overs. The yes. first it, yeah. innings of the series ring that went past 80 overs Well, today. that's no good. The no. end of the game. Do it, do it in the first <laughs> no. innings. And only just as well because the game was gone, really, wasn't it? And Tung and Anderson showed tremendous spirit and bravery in that last wicket stand, but it was asking far too much. But only went past 80 overs because they managed to sort of hang on towards the end and just just whittle it down. I always, I always think when you're in a run chase, when you, get, when you see the... It's a 13, into the 30s, you think, it's possible, it's possible. Mm. They didn't quite manage to do that, but it was, it was asking a tremendous amount, wasn't it, really, for the, for the lower so, order. So, you know, what, what is the home. attack for the next test? Well, I, I think I would keep Broad. I would obviously keep Tongue. I would look at Wokes. I wouldn't pick Anderson. 
I think Anderson, uh, for the moment, is has just had enough. <laughs> and he'll be very sore after this test because of the bowling and because of being hit on a lot of times on the body. And there's only three days to turn it around. And he doesn't fit the England mould of you know, short pitches if the, the Australian innings gets underway. So uh, they've got to look at somebody else, maybe Liam Dawson. Mm. Um, I, I think he's a good cricketer and he gives you a bit of stability with the ball and he can bat at number eight. And that's one thing that England lack. I mean, I suppose they might be thinking of Moen, but I wouldn't pick Moen. I'd pick mm. Liam Dawson at number eight if they were going to play a spinner, and, uh, and definitely Mark Wood. Well, I definitely would play Mark Wood. I think you definitely want that totally, don't you, to sort of fight fire with fire a bit. The other thing, you've got to look at the pitch first. I mean, what sort of surface they're going to play on at, at Headingley before you think about the, yeah. the spin option, really. So you, you, know, you, you take that into account before you, you nail down your team. Liam Dawson, of course, been in good form for Hampshire in the, yeah. in the Championship, but they've gone, you know, they, before Liam Dawson, they went mowing, and then it was Rayan Ahmed. So, you, you know, you, you think he's not really in their plans but but definitely Mark Wood to play at Headingley he's, he's, he's got to play and it's fascinating to see it I mean he had a great Ashes series last time round he did put the, the wind up the Australians England got close but you know not not close enough in these two matches it's got to change uh, pretty quickly not since the 1930s middle of the 1930s as a team lost the first two Ashes series and gone on to win the series I never thought it was Australia managed to turn it round uh, yeah huge task ahead uh, for England. Australia are on the verge, aren't they, of, of doing what they, they nearly did last time and they've come to do this time to, to, to put it right. But we've had some thrilling cricket along the way. Yeah, I mean, so many extraordinary incidents and uh, the uncanny ability of Test cricket to throw up controversy mm. and fascination and intrigue and unexpected moments. Well, well, and that that start catch still being debated today. You know, in our in our box, Jim I walked in uh, this morning. Jim Maxwell, he was still raging about it, saying it, you know it should have been not out. And Glenn, <laughs> we got him together with Fraser Stewart of the MCC, who's actually the lawmaker who knows the law inside out, makes the helps make the law. And, and Fraser was trying to explain it to Glenn. He was just saying, oh, "No, I don't think I don't think it's how I don't think it was how." But anyway, ultimately, it didn't make that much difference to the the end result of the match but some great great talking points Nathan Lyon as well hobbling out Ben Stokes's innings uh, fan, fantastic uh, test match we haven't, the pitches have been a bit sort of insipid uh, I would say yeah sort of not the great pitch but they've, we've had two intriguing games that have gone for five days and kept us all emotionally involved and talking about it and in, intrigue and beguiled with this uh, great game of Test Match Cricket. Yeah, and, and the Ashes rivalry lives on and it will continue in three days' time uh, or whenever you... Two days' time if you're listening to this on Monday. Mm. We're back on Thursday for the first day of the third Test at Headingley. In the meantime, there's a couple of one-dayers for England. In fact, there's one here uh, on Saturday as well at Lords between the women in the Ashes. So it's all going on at the moment in the Ashes, both men and women. We'll keep you informed about it. There's a couple of women's podcasts to come on our sister show, the, the Storylines show, that will come out in the next couple of days. We'll be back on Thursday evening to review the first day of the third test. And we can't wait. We, we can't. If we can haul our tired minds and bodies up to, to Lee's uh, for that test match, uh, that, that's the challenge. But it's great, isn't it, Ashes cricket? Yeah. But. And we run out of superlatives for 
for Ben Stokes as yeah. well. You, yeah. you, uh, you, that that innings was indescribably brilliant. Yeah, but well done Australia. That's yes, the bottom line. They've won well. three Test matches in a row now in England. Clinical and ruthless when it mattered. Goodbye for now. Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.